0: Welcome, boys and girls. This is the second episode of the Athlete Ready Global Podcast. I am your host, Jared Saavedra. Today, we have Kirk Kappel, fitness entrepreneur, originally from California, spent a lot of the time of his life in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and moved himself across the country and now is living in Atlanta, Georgia. Kirk has such a diverse experience being a gym owner being a gym manager and then now being a self-employed fitness entrepreneur tons of experience tons of knowledge to give i think he's going to be very helpful to a lot of people can't wait to you all hear this episode Kirk, thanks for joining us on the show today, man. How are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. So
1: just getting over a a little bit of a sore throat, so my voice sounds a little funny, so forgive me, but
0: I'll do my best. Yeah, no worries, no worries. So for the listeners, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, interests, all those good things.
1: So my name's Kirk Kappel. Um, I'm a fitness trainer and performance coach. I've been in the industry for a little over eight years now. Um, I started off as a group fitness instructor back in Albuquerque, New Mexico, teaching one class a week just because I wanted to get into it and see if it was kind of fun. wasn't sure how I was going to like it. Um, Ended up really enjoying it. I sucked really bad, though, so I spent a lot of time trying to get better. Learned from a lot of cool coaches, have done all kinds of different things, from owning my own facility to managing other facilities to being a complete independent contractor on my own, working out of my own garage, gym, uh, at parks, all kinds of stuff. Um, And then, of course, just recently moved out to Atlanta with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you mentioned quite a few things there, but the one that I would really want to talk about to start was you um, had been a gym owner before. And what was that experience like for you?
1: Uh, To tell you the truth, I never wanted to be a business owner per se. Um, One of my best friends and I opened it together. It's one of his dreams to have owned a gym um, and to own a business. And I went along for the ride. Um, mainly to kind of help develop the the fitness programs, to develop the classes, to train the trainers, to do all that kind of good stuff. Um, I did get a lot of firsthand experience, of course, with the the business side of it and the bureaucracy uh, part of that as well. Um, in my experience, honestly, I feel like it's it's funny in this industry. I feel like there's um, two types of trainers and two types of coaches. the The ones who are getting into it just to do it as a passing like as a passing kind of a hobby. They want to just get in because they think it's going to be easy. And then two, the ones who are doing it as a career. But the funny part about that is the people who are doing this for a career usually end up wanting to open their own gym. I don't know if it's an ego thing.
0: It is. I mean, that's what I think is really, really funny is that uh, a big portion of individuals who get in this industry, they think that the pinnacle of our fitness industry and strength conditioning is owning their own gym. And that's why I love hearing your perspective on it because you have a completely different experience and skill set
1: yeah I mean I I I definitely enjoyed it it was an experience for sure it taught me a lot of good things that actually helped me become a better um, coach and better employee uh, moving forward working with other people so uh, that's the funny thing yeah because it's it's, it is that a lot of people look at it as the pinnacle they think oh I want to say that I own this facility so it can make me seem like I'm a big deal but to tell you the truth I made about (sighs) double so about sixty thousand dollars more a year when I wasn't owning a facility. I made so much more money when I worked on my own, when I worked as like a number two under somebody. And the best, why, part was why is that? Why is that? Because I didn't have to deal with all the stuff I didn't want to deal with. I could show up if, uh, if, uh, I mean, I was a manager of course, but if something had to be run by the owner, or if there was some like investment meetings or if there's any kind of business meetings or if the toilet was overflowing or something, I could literally just say, well, Hey, toilets overflowing. See you tomorrow. <laughs> and leave, you know? Right. So I was more focused on building my individual business versus building a brick and mortar business. Right. It's a big difference there. And so people don't see the difference. They think, Oh, I'm going to get a brick and mortar facility and I'm going to build the hell out of it. But they forget that when you're building the hell out of your own business, you don't have to pay the bills. So if I'm in your facility and I'm crushing it, I pay you a percentage. Awesome. That's my overhead. If I have a shitty month, my doors aren't going to close. Cause not, you're the one that has to worry about the overhead, right? You know what I mean? So that's the best part. I can focus on my business and my growth personally, but when you own your own facility, you have to focus on your business, your growth. And if you decide you want to have other trainers there as well, or anything that maybe pertains to group fitness where you actually have to fill class times, you have to worry about their growth and those classes as well, the growth of the actual programs. And so it gives you a lot more to focus on because if you have a bad month personally, and then you have four trainers under you, and they also have bad months. You're the one that has to fork over the extra cash to make sure the doors stay open.
0: That's right. So, what what would be some advice that you'd give somebody who's you know thinking about opening up their own facility? They're doing really good as an independent contractor at a gym. You know, they they're you know deciding whether they want to take that leap and open their their own gym. What are some uh, do's and and don'ts? That... So,
1: first of all, I would say to write down a list of reasons why you want to open your own facility. If you're in a position at this gym and you're really enjoying it and you're crushing it and you think you're gonna make more money by having your own space, you're probably wrong. Um, What I want you to reflect on instead is thinking about how much you enjoy your job at the moment. If you enjoy the facility and the people you're working with or the people you're you're renting space from are uh, good people, you get along, you don't get messed with, you pretty much have your own business there, I would highly suggest that you stay there and try to broaden your horizons elsewhere to make more money. Because what's going to happen is you're going to get out of the facility. You're going to try to open your own place. And then all of a sudden, the job that you love so much, the coaching, the people, the connection, the programming, all the, the actual um, fun stuff about our, our industry is going to become almost secondary because you're going to have to focus on more of the business, the bills, the the uh, equipments, any kind of investments you need to be able to pay for all your equipment, stuff like that. So that's first thing I want you to think about is make sure that... You want to open your place because you hate where you're working at. If you hate what you're doing, if you hate the place you're at, then it's something to consider. But not before you consider maybe finding a place that's a better fit for you. Um, Great advice. So if that's, that's option one. Option two, if you're really adamant on opening your own spot, start off way smaller than you think you need to. Write down a list of the bare essentials that you need uh, equipment-wise because that's going to be the biggest money pit. Equipment. In the fitness industry, as you guys all know, is extremely expensive for pretty much no reason. So if I find a 50-pound piece of metal on the street, uh, I could go to a scrapyard and get it for 10 bucks. But if you put a 50-pound stamp on there and put a handle, all of a sudden it's $100. Right. So make sure that you put down a list of equipment that's the bare minimum. Second, facility. Make sure that you're getting a facility that if you had the worst month of your career, you could still afford to, to rent. So don't go getting all bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and, and getting, uh, basically having your eyes bigger than your stomach. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't have so much fun with uh, the facility that I was part owner of. Uh, we had a very small facility to start, and that was a great idea to start. Unfortunately, it only had one restroom, and we were getting pretty full. So that was a big hindrance. Uh, we decided after about five months to transition into a facility that was um, three times as big. And that shot us in the face. Uh, It was very hard. Instead of focusing on growing membership, we had to focus on anything we could to just keep the doors open. Because it was so much more expensive. So I would say make sure you are within your means. It's always a better problem to be too full than to be empty and need to find people. Because then you become desperate and you start lowering your prices and you start discounting your services just to pay the bills. Um, And for some reason in this industry, people look at uh, people who are constantly giving discounts as is subpar. So if you're always running a special on your training, if you're always doing this, people are going to begin to question subconsciously, maybe, maybe hey, is this guy even that good? Why is he always giving a discount? And why is uh, trainer B over there charging twice as
0: much and doing so well? No, that's, that, that's great advice. So what would you say on, um, or any kind of advice on how you would value yourself? How do you, uh, put a price point for your services. What are some things that you've done some strategies that you've implemented to, to come up with a price? Because I think that's what a lot of trainers. They, they don't know the value of their time. So what are some things that, that you do? That, that helps you well
1: first of all when you're first starting out if you're a brand new coach um, Your experience level is going to dictate Your price pretty much so what I would do is find people that are around your your experience level and see what they're charging um, don't undercut them because that's going to make you look bad, and you don't want to always charge cheaper because then it's hard to raise your rates. But try to be around the ballpark. So, I mean, for instance, back in Albuquerque, uh, $50 an hour is a pretty standard rate for most uh, certified trainers who are who are beginning up, and I mean a lot of uh, advanced trainers as well, people with a lot more experience still charge that rate, but it's because they're afraid to raise it and afraid to uh, afraid to ask what they were for what they were worth. So I would say, again, base it off your experience level, the better you get, the more you can charge. And not just the better you get, it's getting certifications, being educated. I know plenty of people who have their master's degree, who have 10 certifications, who have a CSCS, who have all these things. And congratulations, because most of the time that just means they're great at taking tests. Um, I do know a lot of those people that have all those certifications who aren't bad coaches, but... They're not that much better than a coach who I know that has just a personal training certification. It's all about the application. So make sure that when you're trying to, to, to find value in yourself and set your price points, that your ability to actually produce results is there. Your ability to take what you know and apply it. Your application is solid. Um, Stick to your plan with your clients make sure that they know what they're doing. Be a stickler for form. And that's going to help your coaching for one. So, like I said, the more experience you get, the more you can charge. Now, I started dictating my my rates based on experience level one and two demand. So, as I became more and more popular and more and more in demand, I raised my rates. And what would happen is, if I started charging fifty bucks an hour and I was uh, full, let's say I had thirty hours of personal training a week, and I said, okay, I'm going to raise my rates to sixty, because I have ten more people who are asking about training. And they're willing to pay 60 or 70. So I raised my rates to 60, Four of my clients out of my 15 say that's too much and they stop. But then I just filled that spot with four new people who are paying 60, and then all my other clients just raise the rates to 62. So I didn't make myself any busier, but I made myself a lot more um, my time a lot more lucrative. So make sure again, it's about demand, it's about experience and it's about application. That's what I would say are the big three when it comes to to picking your price point. Because you could be in an, in an industry or, a, excuse me, a, a um, an area where the industry, like we were from, Albuquerque, New Mexico. So there's a lot of talent there for sure, but it's a very um, price-driven industry. So people don't care about how good you are there for the most part. They care about how much you charge. Um, but if you stick to your guns, you're going to get the people that want to pay the money. Because real results don't... I mean... You can't argue with them. If somebody's giving you real results and they're charging twice as much as you are, but you're cheaper, but you're not delivering, I mean, 60 bucks an hour gets really expensive when you're not getting the
0: results you want, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you said a few things in there. I mean, you pretty much moved yourself across the country and kind of had to reinvent yourself uh, here in Atlanta. Uh, I mean, tell people about that story, about why you left. I know is super kind of an uncomfortable and situation for you, and it was just something that you had to do. And I mean, I definitely commend you for doing that. I think it's uh, you know people are afraid to take risks, and you're not one of them.
1: So I had been wanting to leave Albuquerque for a while. I had actually a couple job offers out in California a few a few years ago, um, mainly just because I was I was never really happy there. I mean, I lived there for most of my life, so I was very used to it. The mindset was one that I just didn't get, get along with. It was kind of a, just not for me. Um, and when I was at my facility that I was part owner of, I was uh, not happy owning a facility. So that's another reason why I think it's not the answer for everyone, but I really thought about moving then. Then I actually ended up meeting somebody and getting engaged and that made me stay again. And so when that fell through, unfortunately it's okay, but All life experience, you know, that fell through. That was kind of like my, my aha moment of, okay, that's literally the last thing I have holding me back or had holding me back. I have nothing. I don't own a facility, so I don't have to worry about that. I'm not engaged. I'm not, uh, worrying about pleasing someone else. So I don't have to, I don't have to worry about that holding me back. The only thing holding me back now is whatever excuse I choose to latch onto. And Although I don't think that ever, uh, it's what people think. People think they're going to move, they're going to get into a new industry and crush it right away or it's going to be a complete like life change and it's going to be the, the best thing they've ever done. The, the hard thing about our industry, especially if you're from the private sector and you're working as an independent contractor is moving to a new city. Um, if you don't want to work at a corporate gym, it's very, very hard to get established. You have to start, especially if you're an experienced coach. I think as an experienced coach, we often forget how hard it was in the right. beginning, to get how much you are. had to hustle Absolutely. and how many no's you got to get. Right, I forgot what it was like to hear no so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in the beginning of my career, you would ask people to train with you and people would like flake out say, no, like no one wanted to train with you. Eventually you'd start getting some clients. You started getting good. Then they started just wanting to train with you without you having to sell them. But you moved to a new city and all of a sudden you're the new guy again. You're the new girl, whatever you, you know, uh, you're the person that no one's heard of. So you have to, because this is such a relationship and and um, just basically a relationship based business. So if you have a no reputation, no one's heard of you. It's kind of hard to convince people to pay you a hundred plus an hour to right. train with you. So the reason I moved was just because the ceiling in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I felt was pretty low. I feel like, I mean, yeah, I wasn't crushing it like I used to when I first started out there. But I mean, I had hit the ceiling pretty high and... What people consider success in the fitness industry out there is not what I consider success. Um, They consider making money success. Now, I made a lot of money when I was peaking, but I also worked a lot of hours. So I made a ton of money, had zero free time, and was burned out. That's not success in my eyes. Success, when I see somebody who I think is successful, I equate it with them having a great amount, I mean, a good amount of income, whatever makes them comfortable, but uh, quality of life: Are they making a good amount of money uh, to, to be comfortable? Do they have enough free time to do what they want? Because you can work 100 hours a week at a 40-hour-a-week job and still be crushing it financially, but you're not crushing it socially or crushing it like soul-wise. You know, you're going to be crushing your, or auction in your relationships. Yeah, all that. Yep, it, it hinders everything. So I moved because the only way that I saw to make money in Albuquerque was to work more hours, and that's how I made money before, and I wasn't happy. So, uh, talking with you, we talked about a little bit about moving to, a um, a bigger city that had just a a larger ceiling, a higher ceiling, although it was going to be a challenge for sure. The, the potential to, to earn more while doing less is a lot higher. So like we can come out here to a bigger market and charge double. And if you're talking to the right people or if you sell yourself correctly, you're going to get paid double. Um, also we moved out here just because the online program programming is that we wanted to do. So online programming is a great way to to make money without having to physically be present. I mean it's don't take it that you're gonna make money without doing anything. Like oh I don't have to work because I'm an online trainer. You still have to put the time in and if you try to make shortcuts, take shortcuts, it's gonna come out in your programming and people are going to drop you. But the difference is if I wanna do all my programming at an airport in Alaska, I can't. If I want to do all my programming at midnight in my underwear drinking a beer. I can't. So I don't actually have to show up and be present for any hours. So the, um, is that where you see the
0: strength conditioning industry going more to different platforms, different online courses, different things yeah, like that?
1: I think that that's, that's the best way to do it. And it may not be the, the most effective way to get the point across when it comes to training or or knowledge, but it is definitely the way I think if you look at it this way, the way it's been done where people are in person with like actual tactile training and tactile certifications the stuff where you're like really there is really good for application based learning a lot more. I feel like a lot more people gain a lot more when uh, there's a trainer, actually there, cueing queuing them right. touching them or giving them feedback. Or if you're at a certification learning from somebody directly. However, I feel like the, the, the shift into the online market is not dumbing it down too much, but it's allowing a way larger number of people to have access to quality education and quality training. Um, So that's why the the demand for for online training in Albuquerque was almost non-existent. And even out here, it's just a lot higher. So it's just basically taking a leap of faith, coming out to a a new city and hit the ground running and trying to just get as many people on board, in person, online as you can until you feel comfortable and get that reputation built.
0: What type of people do you like training and working with the most?
1: Um, You know, I've trained a lot of random people, to tell you the truth. I really like working with um, young adults, I would say maybe late 20s to mid 30s. I like working with people that that work hard. I know it sounds cliche, but I like to be able to program uh, some difficult stuff like within reason and and really facilitate some changes. And I feel like those kind of people, a lot of the times were former athletes or um, maybe they still are athletes, but I like training them a lot because they're not too too much older, so they're not. I'm not having to worry about um, nagging injuries as much most of the time, or uh, developing injuries. But they're young enough still where I can kind of push them a little bit, and it's kind of fun. So that's probably one of my favorite things to train is like the mid the mid like 25 to 35 year old adults. And I really like training uh, high school kids too. I think high school athletes are a blast. Um, it's cool to just be there for that phase of their life, connect with them in a certain way. Um, making relationships with the parents and just seeing them be successful and knowing that you had a part and maybe not even just the the physicality of it, but maybe some stuff that you guys talked about in a session that improved them as a person and their character.
0: Right. Absolutely. If you haven't noticed, you probably... Uh, I mean, just by listening to Kirk, he's definitely one of the most open-minded individuals that I've ever met. I know when he came inside my gym at at Athlete Ready in Albuquerque, uh, just a completely open mind. And he taught us a lot over there. And he's easy to get along with and yeah he just he leads by example with his clients there's not many strength conditioning coaches or fitness entrepreneurs that actually practice what they preach as much as kirk does so i definitely respect him a ton for that he's just a a lifelong athlete um yeah he's just incredible man so last thing i want to i want to ask you um if there was if there was anybody if you were talking to you 10 years ago And you're giving yourself advice on how to kind of navigate your career through this entire process, knowing what you know today, what are some things that you would definitely tell yourself to, to be further ahead than what you are right now?
1: Um, investments. Um, I made a lot of money when I was younger. I spent it all on dumb stuff, dumb shit I didn't need because I had the money and my bills were low and I wanted a $500 bottle of scotch. I went and bought a $500 bottle of scotch. Mm -hmm. I mean, naturally I was 25. And I'd made stupid choices. So if I were to talk to myself back at 21, obviously 21, I was uh, just getting into this kind of field. But talking back to myself in the beginning, I would say when you start to get successful for one, focus on investing your money, whether it be in just kind of mutual funds, anything, just saving it in certain accounts where it's going to grow, where it's going to work for you because that gives you so much freedom. The only way in my opinion and many other people's opinions to be truly financially free is to be able to invest. So if you invest and you have multiple streams of income and your money is working for you, you can play it to where you never have to work. All you have to do is just check on your investments, be smart about it, create relationships and you're good to go. So I'd be, uh, definitely be thing. Number one, I would tell myself thing. Number two would be to kick the ego as quick as you can. I mean, as uh, young trainers, we all get that. What's that Dunning Kruger effect. You know, right. we start learning a little bit and start having some successful clients. And we think that we know everything and we're badass trainers just because we are good coaches So a badass trainer is not the same as a good coach I know plenty of coaches who are phenomenal, but have zero knowledge when it comes to kinesiology exercise science or any kind of application of Fitness at all. They're just very good at delivery and uh, creating relationships. So I would say kick the ego right away Always be hungry to learn more. I mean I did my best to do that I don't feel like I had a gigantic ego, but I mean, I'm mean, i sure I had one at one point point. I would say that's a, that's a very important part is just focus on making sure that no matter how good you're doing, that you always want to do better. Don't get complacent, especially in this industry. It's really easy to have a full client load and then sit back and relax. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, four of your clients have financial trauma in their life and they have to drop. And then you're not in a very really comfortable spot anymore. And you're like, Oh shit, treading water. And now something's pulling you down. All right. So I would say that's the biggest advice. When you start making money, start investing. When you are making a lot of money, don't get comfortable. Always have a plan to continue to, to get more clients or always have a plan to, to monetize yourself to more people. So try to make yourself uh, one to many instead of one to one, you know, that's the, uh, that's what I would tell you the most, because like I said, I mean, there's been points where I've been making a ton of money and I've had three clients, four clients drop out. And all of a sudden I'm not so financially comfortable
0: and it's, it's so easy to hit. Awesome. That's amazing advice, and I agree with it all. Uh, Before we wrap up, we're going to do a little finisher here. So I'm going to give you uh, three questions, and I want you to just kind of fire off your answer as as quick as possible, and I'm going to go right to the next one, okay? Cool. So, all right, I want you to name one podcast that coaches and trainers should listen to outside of strength conditioning. One podcast that they should
1: listen to. Oh, man, that's a tough one. So I would have to say... I don't know. I think, I mean, this is cliche, but Joe Rogan's podcast is pretty cool. I like it just because it covers so much stuff. He has so many people on there now because he's so established. You can watch a podcast one day that has to do with investments. Watch a podcast with somebody who is a world-renowned world strength coach. So you're going to get a lot of variety. So I think that's probably one of my... um, Probably my number one recommendation for podcasts.
0: He's such a good interviewer. I mean, so starting this podcast, I mean, me and Kirk, we could go back and forth all day long about so many different topics. But all of a sudden, when I'm the one facilitating the conversation, it's a completely different role. So people like Joe Rogan uh, definitely have a lot of respect for him. Uh, Name a coach or entrepreneur that I should have on this podcast.
1: Mm. Coach or entrepreneur that you should have on this podcast. I would say (laughs) I think would be a cool one would be uh, Brett Bartholomew. Brett Bartholomew would be a great one. He's got an awesome personality, he's hilarious, he's a badass coach and he's got his head on straight and he's a good person for people to kind of emulate,
0: you know? Uh, Absolutely. Best book you've ever read? Best book
1: I've ever read. Uh, I would have to say there's two. Um, The Champion's Mind by Jim Afromo. He's a sports psychologist and it basically just breaks down the mental processes of championship athletes and how they plan their days and stuff. It's pretty cool. That's a really good one. And the other one is unfuck yourself. That's actually a great book. And it basically talks about how any situation that you're in, you put yourself in there. So there's no extrinsic factor. It's all intrinsic. Um, You can get yourself out of it. Your train of thought is the one that's holding you back on anything. So it really opens your eyes. And I think no matter how happy you are or what kind of place you are in life, whether it's great or not great, it's good for anyone to, to read that and just kind of have those, those, um, In your arsenal, you know, especially that book, because each chapter is standalone. So if you find a chapter that resonates, you can go back, and it doesn't have anything to do with the other ones.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for your time, Craig. I appreciate you, man. I mean, Global would not be where it is today if it wasn't for you. You're a big help. You help a lot of people, and man, thank you so much for your time. Hey, dude. Thanks
1: for having me on. I appreciate you. I'm excited to hear the uh, the next episode's coming in the future.
0: Absolutely. So, real quick, last thing. How do people get a hold of you if they have any questions or comments for you? So, um, Instagram is probably the
1: best way. My handle is at kinetic underscore Kirk. So, K I N E T I C underscore K I R K. That's my Instagram page. So, follow me on there. Message me if you have any questions. I answer pretty much every single DM I get.
0: Um, and that's about it. Awesome, man. Thanks again. Appreciate you, dude. Of course, man. Have a good day. Hey everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it and subscribe to the podcast. We will continue to share the stories of coaches and trainers around the world as well as other entrepreneurs that our industry can learn from to make ours better. Thank you so much for the support. See you next time.